Welcome to the podcast, Career Stories from the Field. I am Penny Strutton, a business psychologist and career coach, and for the last 10 years, I've worked with hundreds of people and helped them find a job or career that fulfills them. Very rarely do we see a straightforward career pathway. This podcast will showcase a variety of careers and highlight the career pathways people have taken to achieve their current position. It is the interesting routes, choices, opportunities and challenges that I will be exploring to showcase how different people have navigated their career. I'm hoping to help young people and career changers join the dots between subjects at school, tertiary education and job experience and give more people confidence to embrace opportunities that take them closer to a fulfilling career. This morning I'm talking to Liz Wilson. Liz is the marketing director for a company called Ground Control. Her career started in an entry-level sales and marketing role, then grew, taking her to the States for a couple of years, then back again to the UK, where she held a head of marketing role and now her current director position. Her story shines a real light on digital marketing and how to develop a career in this field. So a very warm welcome to Liz Wilson on today's episode of Career Stories from the Field. Welcome, Liz. Hi, Penny. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure. So let's start off by just telling us a bit about what your role is now, what your job title is, and, and maybe what you what you do every day. So I'm the marketing director at Ground Control, and Ground Control provides satellite and cellular connectivity for remote applications. So if you've got an oil pipeline in somewhere a bit difficult and you need to extract data about from sensor and pressure readings and that sort of good stuff, you're not going to be able to extract it through the cellular network because it's spotty or non-existent. So people use satellite connectivity in order to backhaul that data to their center of operations. So it's it is the most technical job I've ever had, and I'm only six months in, and my knowledge of how all this works is still is still on a big development curve, not going to lie. Um, I bet. But, but it's, it's fascinating. And what I particularly like about it is that the work we facilitate is extremely important. So you are shoring up critical national infrastructure with this stuff. Um, there are people using satellite connectivity to catch poachers in obviously remote parts of Africa. So incredible stuff. People That's using amazing. it for firefight, for, for tracking the telemetry of helicopters doing firefighting and making sure they've got the right payload. It, the stuff people do with this stuff is incredible. So that's really exciting for me. That's so interesting. On a day-to-day -day basis, I'm chiefly responsible for lead volume, which is kind of pretty standard for, for a marketing team. I have a small team of marketers, small but perfectly formed, um, and we manage inbound leads through the website. So we're optimizing the website to make sure that it appears for appropriate search terms and all of that sort of good stuff. And we also use, we use marketing campaigns, so we go outbound to specific verticals where we don't expect them to just happen across our website by accident, so we need to take our message to them. So day to day, I spent a reasonable amount of time working with the team, supporting the team, making sure that these projects are all on track, uh, doing a lot of it myself. Uh, I did choose this role because it was very hands on um, and I'm not ready to entirely disappear into an ivory tower at this point. But also it's my it's a really key part of my function to keep our stakeholders close um, and make sure that we've got engagement from the C-suite and board, board level representatives. So you say you've got a small team. 
what sort of uh, roles exist within your team? So who kind of makes up the marketing function at Ground Control? So we've got um, a digital marketing manager who's responsible for PPC, for technical SEO, basically ensuring that the website is working very well from a technical perspective in terms of driving inbound leads. This person's also responsible for managing a lot of the agencies. So we are a small team, so we do leverage agencies quite a lot to help with things like UX, building customer journeys, and indeed PPC. So she's responsible for looking after our website experience. Then I have a PR content and communications manager. She's responsible for a lot of the content on the website. So she works very closely with the digital manager, uh, digital marketing manager in the respect of the digital marketing manager. And she will have a list of keywords that they're both optimizing for the PR content and communications manager through content uh, and the digital marketing manager through basically the technical structure of the website to facilitate that keyword structure. And obviously that person's also responsible for PR. So getting our name out there, making sure to build brand awareness and also getting those great quality backlinks to the website, which improves the visibility of the website on search engines. So those two are really, I suppose, preoccupied with the website as a center of so the most public representation of who we are. We do want to drive inbound leads. We do want people who read about us to land on the website and have a consistent experience with what they've read. Um, and we want that to represent and be faithful to the strategic direction of the company. I have a campaign manager. So this woman is responsible for the stuff that we do in the industries where we're not convinced they're going to land on the website. So we employ tactics such as account-based marketing or ABM for short, uh, whereby we'll actively pick a list of 40, 50 companies whose business we want to win. And she'll come up with a, a campaign strategy and the content and the material that will help us try and get their attention and get a foot in the door for the sales team. And then I have a graphic designer who's a fabulous guy, really fabulous to work with in darkest Wales as it happens and uh, holding, carrying the flag for male people in marketing, good, good guy. Um, <laughs> and, and then me. And so uh, as well as steering the ship, I take point on partnership initiatives. So a substantial part of our business comes through our reseller channel, which is not simply people reselling the product. They tend to build something extra like a software or they'll build it into a bigger component that's a really really important our business and we could really do with nurturing what we have and winning some more of the same so i take point on that particular part of the puzzle that's really fascinating thanks for giving us the the overview of of uh, of your team i think that's really useful for people who are thinking about going into marketing uh, which i'm sure we'll get onto a bit later but often don't realize how technical marketing has become. I think lots of people think of marketing as, you know, nice, pretty campaigns um, with posters, for example, and it ain't like that anymore, is it? No, and I wouldn't be in it if it was, if I'm honest, because I, I'm, a, I'm a massive data nerd. Like I, I don't operate very well without knowing the performance of campaigns. So if you gave me the choice of a magazine advert and a PPC campaign, I will take the PPC campaign any day of the week because I can track the ROI so easily. Whereas I do completely appreciate the value of branding on a broader scale. But if you had to choose, and often in smaller budgets and constrained budgets, you do have to choose, I will choose digital marketing because you can track 
the value of what you're doing. You can invest more in initiatives that are working well. You can reduce spend on initiatives that aren't working well. Uh, there's that ancient quote from like the 1920s of that chap saying 50% of advertising works. I just don't know which 50%. I think I can't remember who said it. Yeah. But that's not true in digital <laughs> marketing. You know 100% of what's working and what's not working and that for me it is it is a lot more scientific as a as a, a function than I think some people believe and it is a lot more accountable than I think some people believe you know ultimately our business pipeline dries up if marketing doesn't deliver so we might not be quite at the sort of coal face like the sales team for whom I have endless respect because that is a high pressure job but we are the people filling the top of that funnel for them and if we don't do our job they can't do their jobs and I think that sense of accountability in marketing is something that's been that was sort of 10 15 years ago quite lacking uh, there yeah. was there was that sort of sense that you could put out a few attractive brochures and turn up to a few events and that was job done which is not the case anymore much to my relief uh, absolutely no that's that's really interesting okay so you're working in a, a fairly small organization but it's got a very uh, big footprint doesn't it it's it's it spans to the states and beyond yeah, so we have customers all over the world because uh, what we sell isn't bound over by geographies. In fact, the whole point of what we sell is that it's not bound over by geographies. So a, a huge use case for satellite connectivity, which is most of what we sell, uh, is maritime or transport and logistics, because these things, boats particularly, travel out of cellular coverage all the time. Uh, it might interest you to know that actually only 15% of the world has cellular coverage. And it's 50% of the land mass, but, over the, but because obviously the earth is mostly water, uh, it's actually only 15% of the earth is covered by uh, cellular wow. connectivity. So if it, it happens a lot if you're traveling for any description or you're in just, you know, agriculture is another huge one because these farms tend to be in places where people don't live. So there's no need to have uh, a sort of terrestrial communications network. So yeah, what we, do, what we sell quite often ends up in very far, far flung reaches of the world. And I suppose that really adds another dimension to your, uh, your marketing strategy. It's, it's not just, you know, you're not geographically bound. You're, you've, you've got the globe to, to play with. Uh, how do you actually identify those leads? It, 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 isn't, it isn't the easiest thing in the world. So the, the inbound stuff, you know, I always, I, I kind of think of inbound marketing as, and I'm sorry, this is a slightly non veggie oriented analogy so you'll forgive me but like uh, like net fishing you, you you cast a hugely wide net it's the internet it can go as wide as your competency allows it to go right <laughs> all budget yes so but you can you know the internet is a great level you can appeal to uh, afghanistan america australia with a you know i'm not suggesting it's as simple as all that but in principle you can you can be everywhere but if we want to go after and win certain companies, for example, we've just completed a campaign in oil and gas. Those companies are in very specific locations of the world, like um, the Far East, the Middle East, and uh, the UK, in Aberdeen particularly. Yes. <laughs> Who knew? Um, Houston in, in Texas, absolutely riddled with oil and gas companies. And so you, you get these kind of like hotspots of where these companies are. When it comes to a campaign like that, it is good old fashioned legwork. Do your research. Are they the most appropriate company for what we sell? Can we identify who the decision making group would be uh, for this? And can we reach them? Uh, is there any means by which we can reach them? And sometimes we've turned down whole vertical campaigns because 
we think we've got a fantastic proposition for them, but we genuinely can't plot a way through to how we would get their attention. And so, you know, it's like a tree falling in the woods. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, it, it takes, it's, it's good old fashioned market research. Are they the right people? And, and it's very granular uh, when it comes to our sorts of campaigns, because, you know, the order value of what we sell is very high. So we can afford, so to speak, to sell to a small number of companies and spend our time being very selective about the companies we market to. Really interesting. So let's get back to you now. I mean, I can hear real passion when you're talking about uh, this role and, and the organisation that you've been with now for, for six months. But can you maybe hone in on the elements of your job that you particularly enjoy? Yeah, so for me, I am, I am by proclivity uh, a very hands-on operational operationally oriented marketer um, and I'm I really like to know what's going on be part of what's going on it, it, it doesn't work well for me personally and of course it does for many people but it doesn't work well for me personally to just sit back and receive reports so the the bit I particularly love about this role is that I am very hands-on um, I can be directly supporting my team I am going to get drafted in to write the odd blog post or draft the odd press release and that for me personally is something I really enjoy. It may be in the future that in order to get a particular role that I'm really invested in getting, that I have to sort of wave goodbye to doing any of that stuff, but I'm not ready. And I may never be, and I'm okay with that. Like there are, there's obviously chief, marketer, chief marketing officer roles in organizations who do not do the job anymore. And I'm not ready for that. So I love the fact that this job allows me to be senior. It allows me to have board, uh, you know, board exposure and be the most senior marketer in the company and attend and be a great influencer in the C-suite. But it doesn't ask me not to roll up my sleeves and get the job done, which is fantastic for me. Best of both worlds. Best of both worlds for me. And, you know, it's a very personal journey, this, right? Uh, there's I, what I would... I guess what I would, I know you're probably going to go on to this, Betty, but what I would say to everybody in this is that, you know, I thought for a very long time that, <laughs> that the only career direction for me was to get to the board level and that the board level meant meetings and reports and strategy and never actually doing the job. That isn't the only route to being a successful, satisfied professional marketer. And it took me a very long time to realize that. <laughs> And you've got this position now that allows you to fulfill it, which is which is perfect. That's a tough one, isn't it? If you've really enjoyed the technical element of your role, which you yeah. you you get a massive kick out of, and but to progress, you know, you've got to technically give you've got to give up that technical element to to yeah. get to the top. But that's actually what you enjoy. So you know, why can't you be really senior and influential and still do the stuff that you enjoy and you're good at? For, for some people, they'll get enough of a buzz of team leadership and strategy and influencing tactics at a C-suite and board level. And I do get that. Like I've grown more, I've got more value out of that as I've become, I guess, more mature, certainly <laughs> <laughs> more seasoned marketer. Like that's the sort of stuff that would have left my, my, would have turned my blood cold so sort of 10 years ago. And now like I do get enjoyment from that. So maybe, just maybe, there's a point in my career where that will be enough for me and I'll get huge value and I'll deliver huge value from doing that stuff. But today, know thyself. I'm not, I'm not ready for that. No. So tell us a bit about how you got to this position. You've only been here six months. Give us a bit of a, a whistle-stop tour of your career to date. 
the potted history. So I, I, I confess I, I never intended particularly to enter into marketing. Uh, I did an English literature and creative writing degree. I'm not going to go, don't worry, Penny, I'm not going to give you the, I'm not going to go back to, I was a sixer in the brownies. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I, I had a creative writing degree. I was a good copywriter. And so I thought I'm going to be in advertising. I might be in publishing. I might be in marketing, but I don't really know what any of these things are. And, and as you do, kind of fell out of university and fell into a job. And well, after a couple of false starts, I did end up in my first sales and marketing assistant role where they were expecting me to make cold calls. <laughs> the joy of cold calling. <laughs> Which I did about six times and then was just like, no. <laughs> and it was very clear to me that I needed to prove my value in, at this stage, because we're talking like 2003, you know, we weren't talking about optimizing websites for inbound traffic. It was, um, it, I'm not proud of this, but we used to buy email lists and just basically spam people. Um, I'm not proud. We we caught we caught it even then. We called it spray and pray. <laughs> <laughs> and if you sent an email to uh, you know 150,000 people and you got 15 positive responses, and you know you ignored the hundred complaints, um, that was a good outcome. So I'm not saying at all that this was a professional means of beginning a marketing career, but it did learn really quickly about the value of segmentation and about the value of understanding the problems that people were trying to solve with your product. And I was there for a long time. So that company was a software company. It got bought by another company that then expanded into America. And so every time I thought, oh, you know, I'm, I've been here long enough, I need to move on. They had another great job offer on the table for me, including spending three years in the States, building up their marketing presence over there. So that was huge for me you know it, awesome. like I was in I was in my early 30s you know took my dog and my husband <laughs> and off we went and, and you know and what a privilege you know that I, there's there's relatively few people who've had that opportunity in their life and I'm so grateful for it and I so much enjoyed being in the states that when I came back I have to say and I'd promised my family I would come back I was on a three-year visa and all of that sort of good stuff and when I came back I was a bit like Oh, it's kind of lost its luster, you know. It's not quite oh. the same doing this job in Manchester as it is in Southern California. Oh gosh, uh, yes. <laughs> like I'm not waking up to palm trees and my lovely pool every morning. I'm like, I, can... I had been promoted to. This is a smaller company, so you know, it's one thing to be a, a director on the board of a small company, quite another to be a board on the director of a, a large company. This is a small company. I had been promoted to the board, and it was progressively getting more meetings oriented and less hands on. So. Between the Manchester not having the glamour of um, Costa Mesa and uh, <laughs> and the role kind of going in a direction that wasn't making me particularly comfortable, I was finally ready to, to move on. And I'm embarrassed to say I accepted the first job I applied for, which was not uh, Ascendex, but a friend of mine was on the school run with a recruiter who said, you don't happen to know someone who's a marketer with a software background. So I do actually. So I'd already resigned. I'd already handed my notice and I'd already committed to this other company, but on just on a whim went to interview for this role at Ascendex. And I couldn't believe my eyes when I walked through the door, you know, they had hammocks and pool tables and, you know, and it was this really beautiful open plan office with this massive open air terrace. And I was like, oh my God, it's like how I always imagined Google would be or like, you know, Netflix or something. And I realized I was about to walk into a very silly mistake. I think I was just ready to move on. So, and also it takes, I think it takes a long time. I'm just going to put it out there, maybe particularly for women to understand that an interview process cuts both ways. You do not have to accept every offer that's given to you. You are interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. 
And Bravo. so I was just, I was just so grateful to have an yeah. offer that I was like, yes. But I'm so happy that I that I went around to Sendex and spoke to Jeff Love, who was just incredible, such an inspirational leader. And they offered me the job and I and he accepted and I was, oh, I felt awful. I, I contacted the other company whose role I had accepted and I wrote them a marketing plan out of guilt. Oh, you didn't. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> And um, like it took me a couple of days. It wasn't exactly the world's most in-depth, but I, but I really tried. They didn't reply and I still oh. feel guilty because, yeah, it's not how I would want to be treated as a company with a candidate on the hook. But equally, I can't regret the decision because Absolutely um, not. Because it was it was it was amazing. Like it, just to send it, it's just genuinely lived by its values. Like you hear about companies that are purpose led and you're like, mm, sure. It's a software company in the middle of Nottingham, really purposeless, but it really sincerely was. And that was totally owned and, and exhibited by the leadership team, which was lovely. And I really enjoyed that role. The only challenge with that role is that it became increasingly complex. So it's private equity backed and private equity firms tend to be quite acquisitive. So we kept buying other brands and we kept expanding into other countries. And I couldn't be the marketer I am best, i.e. pretty hands-on one eye on tactics, one eye on strategy. I couldn't be that sort of marketer because there was so much going on that I, I had to be, I had to take a step back and just observe everything from a somewhat lofty height, which just doesn't suit me particularly well, as, as I alluded to at great lengths. <laughs> so after a few months, well, no, after a few years of, of this and thinking, you know, is this making me a better person? Is this making me a better marketer? Eventually I was like, I, it's not playing to my strengths. Uh, and it took me a spectacularly long time to realize that which I'm embarrassed about um, but, but eventually I was like there's a really good TED talk that I watched recently I can't remember who it's by but he was basically saying knowing when to quit is really important and we've kind of got a bit obsessed with grit in the respect that you know oh quitting is evil and he's like it, it's not knowing when something isn't working for you and leaving that is as brave as sticking something out that's hard and it wasn't a question of it being hard it just wasn't doing it for me do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like you don't want to you don't want to to give up. It's like I've come this far. I don't want to give up. But actually, what are you what are you actually giving up? Yeah, uh, exactly. It's, it's like and I, my ego was so bound up in that for the longest time. I was like, you know, you, if you leave, it's because you've failed to become yeah. the marketer this organization needs you to be. And in the end, I'm like, I'm not that marketer and I won't be and I don't want to be and that was a bit of a like ah penny <laughs> drop moment uh, but because my role wasn't in danger or anything like that I really took my time over the interview process and um and I really and that made me feel fantastic as well because it, uh, having been in a situation where I could feel that I'd become a square peg in a round hole the interview process when I'm talking to these companies and they're like you would be amazing for us and they're wooing me you know they're like <laughs> really trying to bring me on board like, you. fantastic salaries job titles every responsibility and I was I, oh it made me feel brilliant I'm not gonna lie it was just the ego boost that my <laughs> that's that what I needed, needed. <laughs> I really did and so I took my time and, I, and what I found really what I realized about myself in that process was that it actually wasn't about the job title or the money which I thought it would be I really expected it to be but when I kind of did a huge amount of self-examination and I did which is unlike me but I did I realized it was about culture and values and working with people who I really liked and who I could be my best self and deliver the most value around and I'd still want to improve myself it's not like I've just decided this is the finished product and if you don't like it do one but it's, there's a difference between improving yourself and trying to be something you're not 
Uh, and oh, and so yeah. I'm I'm I finally got there, and that's why I'm rather deliriously happy now. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm so pleased for you. So, for anybody who might be starting out in their career and interested in 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 how you've described marketing from the digital marketing perspective, what advice would you give them in terms of where to start? I suppose what sort of qualifications to do, studying, etc. Well, I, I don't have a marketing qualification, but what I would say is that, in my view, all marketers need to be reasonably good copywriters. So it's rare that you're going to be in marketing and not have to put words in print at some point. So even if you're like, you know, the PPC technical SEO person, it's still helpful to be able to write good English. So, and you can't really teach that. So I would say that was a bit of a kind of prerequisite of being in marketing full stop. Everything you need to know about being a competent marketer is available for you on the internet, everything. Uh, and so, you know, and I'm not de denigrating my profession here because a heck of a lot of it, you can learn, like you can watch these videos, watch these tutorials, read these articles. And then when you actually go to a business, you're going to have to learn to adapt all of that to the particular business you're working for, their needs, their customers' needs and all of that good stuff. But you can learn all of the principles, the the fundamentals of marketing through diligent online research, through things like Moz, uh, Moz's uh, digital marketing course. It's just stupendous and it's free. It's ridiculous. It's free. I, I would strongly suggest that you take every opportunity to better yourself and, and improve your knowledge, not least because this is the sort of thing that's moving really fast. So Back in the day when I was doing my spray and pray cult, you know, spamming people, that was that was quite effective of its time. I, I would, you know, I would never do that today. <laughs> and, I'm, I'm, and of course, you know, well, GDPR would prevent me. But even if it didn't, it's just sloppy marketing. And it's I mean, that's a very that's a very polarized example. But best practice moves on people's view of how they wish to be engaged with white companies. You know, one of the things that's really changed in marketing and in most to be fair, in quite a lot of functions within businesses, is we all tend to get judged by the best. So, you know, the gaffer, the Google, Apple, Facebook, we get judged by how good they are. Uh, and so people have a view of what customer experience should be like, how tailored your marketing should be to them. So it's worth bearing in mind that the bar is set super high and you need to be on it. I think one of the things I've noticed in sort of people working for me is I, I think they expected more on the job training. And there might be companies that do a lot of this, but in my experience, the people who got on faster were the sort of people who loved this so much that they took it upon themselves in their evenings, in their weekends, to genuinely gen up on this stuff because they've had a passion for it. So I wouldn't rely on your workplace making you the fully fledged, multi-skilled broad sweet t-shaped marketer that you need to be take it upon yourself you can ask of course and you should ask for training on particular areas that you think will add value to the company but there's so much out there that you can that you can learn yourself and it will also give you a good view as to whether this is something you genuinely want to do you know if you can't get excited about this stuff you know, maybe it's you not for you yes right, exactly you know it, it, I've said to my team on many occasions, I don't expect you to leap out of bed on a Monday morning and shout, yay, work. But I really don't want you to crawl out of bed in the morning and be like, mm, work. Yeah. You know, you, you should have a high degree of commitment, passion and enthusiasm for what you're doing. And if you can't be bothered to look at stuff in your own time and, and read case studies and subscribe to newsletters and, and, and get invested in the, in the work you're doing, 
it's possibly not the right thing for you. And I don't mean that in a, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just mean find something you love. And if you, and if all you, and if if that doesn't go beyond your working day, then I'm sorry, you don't really love it, in my opinion. I think that's that's really good advice. And I think something you said earlier is that this this space, this technical space within marketing, moves so fast. Mm. And I think if you're not um, somebody who invests in learning in your own time, you're going to be left behind. Uh, you don't it's, tip up yeah. to work with a set of skills and just use those set of skills in this space. You've got to keep building on them. You absolutely have. And, and you know, Google, Google and most, you know, a huge amount of businesses rely on Google for inbound website traffic, which then drives leads to their business. So you need to understand how Google works. <laughs> like, and unfortunately, Google changed the rules periodically. So, you know, being on top of that, being aware of that, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I know the nth detail of it, but I know enough to not infringe the rules and to try and work on the right side of what Google prefers. But it's just, it does move incredibly quickly. And strategies like account-based marketing is a relatively new thing. Like, you know, uh, the whole kind of typical marketing funnel is you put a lot in at the top, knowing that you'll get a small amount of customers out at the bottom. Account-based marketing flips the funnel on its head and says, I'm going to handpick a small number of selected customers, attempt to win their business, and then expand that business. So it's completely different. And it oh, is a toolkit of it's a toolkit of tactics that you've got in your back pocket that you can use to be effective. So be curious and be invested in what you're doing. The best marketers I've worked with just surprise me every day with something they've read. You know, they're like, oh, "I read this article, I've got this great idea," and you just know that they live and breathe this stuff more so than me. Even like, I have other <laughs> things in my life. <laughs> so that's all been really, really interesting. So. I know you've only been in your position six months, but what are your plans for the future? Have you got any thoughts? I do. I, I was saying to you earlier, Penny, I've just finished my senior leadership MBA. And at the start of when I did that, I said I wanted to be on the C-suite. And then I turned down a C-suite role to come to ground control. So I was like, I realized that actually being on the C-suite is not that important to me. What is important to me is that I am progressing in some means, but whereby I'm professionally and personally satisfied. And that's a bit less kind of concrete than I need this particular job title, but it, it, is a measure, it is a measurable goal. Like, do I feel like I am getting better at this? Am I adding better value? And I think the long-term goal for me would be one of the things, like, because I've literally always worked in B2B tech, I'm so frequently the only woman in the room. <laughs> And I would really love for that to change. You know, having managed huge amounts of people, and I have over the years managed huge amounts of people, I know the difference between managing men and women. And I know, and I can tell you now, that men are way more pushy for salary increases, for job title changes, for more responsibility. I think a lot of, this isn't consistently the case, but generally speaking, women tend to hope that their massively hard work will at some point be recognised. I have to say, businesses will pay you the minimum that you can afford to pay you most of the time. Like, unless you're pushing for it and they want to keep you, they'll be like, okay, happy days. We can keep this person and keep them on this salary and they'll be quiet. I, I'm still deeply uncomfortable having conversations about salary, but I really, really want to coach and mentor younger professional, not necessarily younger professional women, but like women who want to grow marketing careers in male-dominated environments and just... Give them the inside of you on, like, take it from me. If you do these things, you will progress faster. If you exhibit these characteristics, you will progress faster. And just help them avoid some of the mistakes I've made along the way as much as possible, chiefly around 
<laughs> you know, having a fixed and prescribed view of what my future looked like. And yes, yes, also just being undemanding and preferring to be pleasant to work with than any other preoccupation. <laughs> so yeah. that, you know, that's, that's all, that's good. And I, I actually love working with a predominantly female team as I do today because they are all spectacularly pleasant to work with, but doesn't stop guys from being spectacularly pleasant to work with, but they're really demanding as well. They know their worth. So I really want to help women who work for me and potentially outside that particular sphere, just know their worth, demand their worth, and treat every opportunity to improve their reputation within the company and not to accept what they're being offered just because guys aren't. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. Put it back. Yeah. Well, that is so that's incredible. That. And I, I can just see how much you've got to give. So hopefully this podcast will maybe bring you a few ladies that might need a bit of your support that'd be that'd be incredible and I think what's interesting there is that so often you know we when especially when we're at the start of our career we see our career development in this vertical ladder and success as you at the in the c-suite yeah and actually and I that that's not always the case and I think especially uh, as a result of the pandemic people are realizing that culture purpose values well-being are actually yeah. drivers that are far more important than that vertical ladder and I Completely think agree. you know you've you've expressed that so clearly today it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you thank you so much for joining me this morning oh Penny it was a, a treat thank you very much thank you thanks for listening to another career story from the field if you enjoyed this conversation please follow or subscribe thanks for listening